It's Wednesday, March 11th, and I'm in sunny Sacramento. Tomorrow is the hearing where they're going to talk about the additional DNA swabs. I have my speaking event tonight, which is going to be interesting because Sacramento has decided that the coronavirus is no longer something we're going to quarantine. We're just going to mitigate. So with that, nobody's allowed to touch anybody tonight. Just going to make a firm and fast rule about that. Same goes for tomorrow night. So don't think you're just touching tomorrow night. Nope. Not going to do any touching either night. All right. What we're going to dig into today is a big deal. This is the rebuttal or the response to the motion to get additional DNA or my favorite word, buckle, the more buckle swabs. So let's start at the top and it's going to be a little long. I'm going to try to keep it moving here. It appears that D'Angelo has a new defender, Jennifer Seri, that's C-E-R-R-I. Uh, Joseph Kress no longer appears to belong on this case. I need to confirm that, but based on this motion, who now lists Jen, um, it looks like she's on the case and he's out. On the March 7th podcast that I did, I dug into the prosecution's request for additional DNA. The reason I'm bringing this up is that you might want to listen to that before you listen to this so you have the context and know what's going on. Um, you're going to need to connect some dots. So this is their response. It was filed on Monday, March 9th, which is just two days ago, in advance of tomorrow's hearing. And I'm so grateful that now I have copies of these motions because in the past I haven't. And we go into that courtroom and the judge just starts ruling on motions and we don't even know what the motions are. So I'm really grateful to have this. And um, I'm not even really sure how I'm getting them. I'm getting them to a friend, but I'm going to pursue getting them in a formal way going forward. So I need, I feel the need with this one that I need to also add a disclaimer here that I am not a lawyer. Um, I was too cheap to play for, pay for law school. Plus my mom convinced me that law school makes people not fun anymore. She said my dad and his friends used to be so much fun when they were in undergrad. And then after they came out of law school, they were a bunch of duds. Um, my dad did have a good sense of humor, but I can, I can see how a lot of his squirreliness got got changed as he went through law school and I wasn't even there just based on photos and stories about him. Okay, so um, it's also really important for me to say at this point, I'm not a judge and I'm really glad I'm not a judge because there is a lot of arguing going on in this document and it's at times a little brain numbing, but it's an important part of the legal process. It's why everybody goes to school. It's why everybody who goes to school ends up needing reading glasses after they go to school because they have to read so much. So um, I'm going to try really hard not to sound cynical as I go through this. But again, no promises. So um, here we go. And I should let you know that I ended up deciding that I would rule on these different arguments. So I'll just throw that in for for kicks, for, for giggles. Anyway, this is the response to the people's motion to compel buckle swabs from Mr. D'Angelo. Um, it begins like this. The prosecution's motion raises several issues in response to the defendant's motion to enjoin, which is that basically they filed uh, a an ex parte motion or a, a, a motion to stop this ex parte, which means privately with the judge, which was granted. And that's why they're going to argue this in court. So essentially, they're first starting out by saying the motion raises um, several issues in response to their um, request to not take these samples. Uh, and so we're going to start off with that. Um, let's see. Let me go right into this. Sorry, it's it's long. Mr. D'Angelo was arrested on April 24th, 2018, and on April 25th, 2018, his buckle sample was collected for DNA testing. Okay, that's we already know that because we heard that in the prosecution's motion to get more DNA. On May 3rd, 2018, more buckle samples were taken from Mr. D'Angelo in Sacramento County pursuant to a court order. On February 3rd, 2020, the Sacramento Prosecutor's Office, Sacramento County Prosecutor's Office obtained a warrant to obtain additional uh, buckle swabs from D'Angelo to provide it to three other counties. The prosecution alerted the defense to this on February 3rd at 9.04 a.m. The swabs were collected by Detective Peters and a Ventura uh, attorney investigator, Mike Young. 
The affidavit was in support of the warrant. Okay, let's see. It called for the buckle slap. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to do this, guys, but my computer really does not like to advance very well. The, the buckle swabs from D'Angelo were to be provided to three other counties. Okay, so their first issue here is that they, they are saying why these are, this is, sorry, this is just summarizing the situation right now. Okay, subsequently, the defendant's motion to stop the execution of that warrant was to keep, to, to prevent them from obtaining further evidence from the defendant without further order of the court. So essentially what they're saying is they wanted to make sure that the court agreed, not privately, but the court agreed in a, in a proceeding that that would be okay. The prosecution has now filed a motion to compel the taking of the buckle swabs, and the motion is authored by the Ventura Deputy District Attorney Cheryl Temple under, this is important, it's authored by my prosecutor, Cheryl Temple, from Ventura, under the authority of Sacramento District Attorney Anne-Marie Schubert. Though Ventura Deputy District Attorney Temple's name and title are on the signature blocks of the notice under the authority of Anne-Marie, it is Amy Holliday who signed both pleadings for Ms. Temple. Okay, so already they're trying to establish that Ventura wrote the motion, but it was submitted under Anne-Marie's name, and then um, Amy Holliday signed both pleadings for Ms. Temple. So if you get that, that's three people in the party so far. Although the motion calls for the court to simply lift its order, which was signed February 5th, and effectively reinstate the search warrant, the motion is inconsistent with the search warrant and affidavit. So this is the big part of how they're setting this up. This is setting up their arguments, right? They're saying, okay, so then we got this um, stay that said, no, we're not. He doesn't have to give the additional DNA. But what they filed to argue that is inconsistent. And uh, I'm sorry, what's the, the prosecution? Okay, reinstate the warrant. The motion is inconsistent with the search warrant and affidavit. So these two other documents that I cannot see, I don't have them. Um, there are inconsistency. The prosecution now informs the court that they need five buckle swabs for the following four counties, Contra Costa, Ventura, the Department of Justice on behalf of Santa Barbara County, and Orange County. Uh, again, Cheryl Temple now requests, under the authority of Sacramento and Marie Schubert, additional biological p- uh, material from Mr. D'Angelo. So, This is all laying the foundation here that Cheryl Temple has no authority to act under the Sacramento County DA's office. Cheryl's from Ventura, and that's clearly outside the Sac County jurisdiction. Now they're going to begin their arguments. This next, this this thing is pretty long. The response is 33 pages. It has um, appendices as well just to support their arguments. But we're going to go into their arguments now, all of them, and I'm going to do my best to describe them to you so you can understand what, what, position they're taking on why they do not want D'Angelo to give more DNA. Um, I am missing a document, which is their motion to stop the, to stop the sample taking. It's the motion to enjoin. They use the word enjoin. It's just a fancy word for no. Motion to enjoin is a motion to say no. So I don't have that, but I don't think that's going to screw us up too badly here. Essentially, they just said they don't want to do it. So their first argument is, argument number one, the prosecution must identify which factual allegations it claims are incorrect, as well as alleged misstatements and omission of law. So in the introduction section of the defendant's motion to enjoin, it equates approximately to one page with the statement of facts taking up to 12 lines of the pleading. They're saying they turned in a short document. The defense takes issue with the prosecution's vague blanket allegation of incorrect factual allegations contained in the defendant's moving papers. While in their motion, the prosecution, let me calm down. Sorry, this was really emotional when I went through this. While in their motion, the prosecution misrepresents the holdings in some of the cases they cite and even goes so far as to cite a head note I want you to know this is italicized because it is that (gasps) egregious. They went so far as to cite cite a head note. The defense has accurately represented the law cited in all underlying facts and procedures. Okay, so I, I looked at this and I looked at some of the other information. And I believe this first argument is essentially saying the defense is not happy that the prosecution accused them of being 
vague in their motion to decline the DNA. Their response is that they did a good job. The defense's response is that they did a good job and they cited law and all the underlying facts and procedures. They're also accusing the prosecution of misrepresenting the holdings, which I'm guessing means uh, the DNA that they have in some of the cases that they cite. So if you recall, when we went through the uh, motion to obtain the additional buccal swabs, there was a very extensive list of all the other cases and what happened with the DNA and where it went and why it was used up. It sounds like they're suggesting that that was misrepresented. I hope I have that right. My ruling here is that everybody needs to be truthful and avoid playing games. I don't care. This first argument is just kind of a but they said, but she said, but he said kind of argument. They, and, and some of the essence of the, this first argument, they're going to make in other arguments throughout this document. So I consider this one a be quiet, everybody do their best, and we're going to move on. Next argument, number two. This is a good one because if you have Brady, Brady violation on your bingo card, you're going to get to mark the space. Number two, Orange County Crime Laboratory already conducted this reference analysis. The defense requests an affirmative statement as to the reason that reanalyses are required, Brady analysis. All right, here we go. The affidavit in support of the search warrant states that in a previously obtained buckle sample was sent to Orange County Crime Lab for testing. From that sample, Orange County developed defendant's reference DNA profile which was later compared to evidence samples and analysis were completed. Okay, I know that's true because that's how they managed to put all of us Southern California people together. Orange County Cold Case Group did that with their DNA lab. This is, um, in quotes, confirmatory testing, in quotes, offered as the reasoning for the current search warrant. Though Though confirmatory testing was completed at the Orange County Crime Lab, where they developed a a reference profile from his previous buckle swab, the prosecutors from Ventura County and Sacramento County now say Orange County needs to do confirmatory testing and should be able to obtain another buckle swab from Mr. Giangelo. This implies that they failed to preserve part of the swab for later testing. In other words, consumed the entire reference sample or have done testing in addition to that that mentioned in the affidavit or they have contaminated the reference sample previously provided. So they're basically saying Orange County either used it up, didn't preserve it, or have done testing that we don't know about. Okay, so that's that's an important part, the, the, the assertion that they've done testing that they don't know about. Um, let's go on because we'll come back to that. But the fact that the prosecution has changed its request in the last month pales in comparison to the issue that raises. Here we go. Why do they need to do more testing of a reference sample at Orange County when they have tested his reference sample and the evidence submitted? Are they retesting? And if so, there's likely information that needs to be revealed to the defense pursuant to Brady v. Maryland. I'm going to explain that in a minute, but anyone who listens to any case has heard about Brady. The integrity of the lab itself, each analyst involved in all analyses and test results are subject to the prosecutor's duties under Brady. And the assertion that what's been done needs to be done again raises a red flag. The defense asks for an offer of proof as to why another reference test in Orange County is necessary. All right, now, This one has a little more juice. They're essentially saying if there's a reason for more DNA uh, in Orange County since the original testing, then it leads them to believe the defense there's something new that they don't know. And that is what's triggering their Brady allegation. It's just a question. They're just posing it as a question like, what if maybe this is what it means? Um, But it is the lifeblood of defending anyone charged with a crime. And it's extremely important law. So essentially the law says that the prosecution, so the people pursuing the bad guy, is required to share all exculpatory evidence with the defense. And if they don't, that's a Brady violation. I love the word exculpatory because not only is it impossible to type, it's nearly impossible to say. It essentially means it's the evidence that might show that a defendant is not guilty. 
it exculpates them of guilt. So exculpatory evidence is really important um, and it's thrown around a lot, but it basically means that if you have exculpatory evidence, that means it proves the defendant doesn't, it has no guilt. For whatever reason, that evidence can help prove that that person is not guilty. Imagine if you were being tried, that would be really important to you. Okay, so, and, and this came out of a, uh, just to give you the background, it came out of a Supreme Court ruling in 1963. It was a landmark case. And think of the times in 1963. You can bet there were a lot of rogue law enforcement and judicial uh, people involved in um, the judiciary and in the DA's offices in those days who were ramming cases through regardless of exculpatory evidence because we had a civil rights movement going on. And so this is really important and it's been very important, especially when it comes to convicting people with bad evidence. Um, I, I love Brady. I think all of us, you know, if you've followed the Adnan Syed case, you know that that's a lot of that's around Brady, that those the prosecutors did not share exculpatory evidence. So anyway, go look up Brady if you need to know more about it. I think there are whole podcasts just on Brady. Um, so take a look. Okay. So I don't know if there is any Brady evidence that would help Angelo, D'Angelo, but my gut is saying, I don't think it's likely. So I'm going to rule this is a check and make sure there's no Brady violation, but if not, give the labs the damn DNA. Okay. All right. Now you need to prepare yourself because the next argument is going to be a trigger. I, argument number three is very triggering. Here we go. It is unreasonable to allow more collections of Mr. D'Angelo's buckle swabs. In its factual summary, the prosecution mentions the swabs taken from Mr. D'Angelo on April 24th, 2018, the day of his arrest, and they omit the fact that swabs were collected from Mr. D'Angelo on May 3rd, 2018. Now they want to collect more swabs for analysis that do not involve charges in Sacramento County. The Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution states the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures, seizures shall not be violated. Article 1, Section 13 of the California Constitution similarly states the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable seizures and searches. The touchstone for all issues under both constitution constitutions is reasonableness. To allow the prosecutors from different counties to just keep coming back is arbitrary, capricious, unduling, harassing, and therefore unreasonable. Okay, I'm just going to take a minute here to let you um, catch your breath and calm down because I love that they are using the word unreasonable. And I'm sure what you're all thinking, so just take a minute, think it, think it. Okay, let me bring you back, finish this up. The DA cites another case that, um, that sometimes multiple warrants are needed. Um, in this case, the search of a defendant's home pursuant to a search warrant revealed evidence that led investigators to believe there might be evidence relating to other murders. This is in this case that they're citing. After the first search and a second and a third warrant were obtained for the home because each search revealed, revealed previously unknown evidence that the defendant might have been responsible for more than one murder. Um, that's what happened in that case. Unlike in Kraft, the prosecution seeks an intrusion into Mr. D'Angelo's body. Okay, I swear to God, I'm literally reading what they wrote, and it's as if they don't even understand the irony. <sighs> okay, let me go back because it's just going to get better from here. Just a second. Here we go. The prosecution seeks an intrusion into Mr. D'Angelo's body for genetic material for the third time, paren and fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh time, end paren, because they want five samples to seek the same evidence. In Kraft, the case stated above, each warrant was based on probable cause that was previously unknown in the first warrant. In Mr. D'Angelo's case, the prosecution is using the same probable cause statement over and over again. There has not been a new statement of probable cause or new information leading to the need to search for new evidence. <sighs> okay, I want to punch this argument in the throat. 
first of all, this idea of needing a new statement of probable cause or leading to the search for new evidence. I'm going to try to temper my profanity here, but I swear to God, if you hurt this many people, you're going to need more evidence, same evidence, more of the same evidence. This isn't, this is evidence that can run out. This isn't evidence that persists like a gun. This is evidence that can be used by the very nature of analyzing it. By its very nature, it is different than other kinds of evidence. When it's gone, it's gone. And if we have the ability, ability to get more, then we should be allowed to get more. Okay, let me calm down. Okay. The mere fact that they're arguing that several samples are unreasonable is making me rage. It's like they didn't even know what he did to the people I love and care about. How many times is rape reasonable? Is it once? Twice? Is it three times? Is that when it becomes unreasonable? Let's see, is blinding someone someone unreasonable? Or what about bludgeoning someone to death? Would that be one hit or two hits? When does it become unreasonable? Is crushing the skull of a husband while a wife lays face up next to him, knowing she's next and will have her head crushed, crushed face up reasonable, or is that unreasonable by this standard? My ruling on this argument is shut the fuck up. I don't care if we need a DNA sample for every crime he has committed, which is, I think, more than 100. <sighs> Can I get an amen? I hear you. All right, let's all breathe. We're going slowly in through the nose. And now exhaling through the mouth. We can do this. Let's get on to argument number four. But you're not going to like this one very much either. The prosecution has demonstrated that the taking of Mr. D'Angelo's buckle swab is, in fact, testimonial and therefore subject to penal code blah, blah, blah. All right. So what they're saying in this one, and this is, uh, this is, a little abstract in my humble opinion, but they're saying that they, the prosecution in their motion relied on Sergeant Kenneth Clark's February decla declaration about how they went about gathering D'Angelo's buckle swabs then. In that declaration, Lieutenant Belli asked D'Angelo to take the buckle swab himself, put it in his mouth, the, the stick, and put it in his mouth to facilitate the collection. Mr. D'Angelo did not respond verbally or otherwise to this request. So Lieutenant Belli placed the buckle swab collection stick into D'Angelo's mouth and collected the sample pursuant to the instructions for the kit. There was no resistance or other action on Mr. D'Angelo's part to prevent collection of the swab. Just his silence. Quote, Lieutenant Belli then had to himself put the buckle swab collection stick into D'Angelo's mouth and collect the swab, unquote. Although it's entirely common for the official collecting the swab to be the one actually using the stick to scrape the inside of the cheek, the prosecution presents this as proof that D'Angelo has resisted and force should be authorized. Their footnote calls this a lack of cooperation to earlier attempts to obtain a buckle swab, and the prosecution demonstrates their belief that D'Angelo's conduct in not saying or doing anything to facilitate or prevent the swabbing for example, that is his silence, is of testimonial import. So now they're going to talk about a case, and their whole thing here is that, um, it, let's see, I'm sorry, the language that's used for something to be testimonial must be evidence relating to some communicative act. The prosecution presented to the court the communicative act of Mr. D'Angelo's silence when asked to himself collect a DNA sample for later use by law enforcement and called it a lack of cooperation. By their own theory, the taking of the buckle swab is testimonial. Okay, I feel like this one is a total stretch because what they're saying is since the prosecution characterized D'Angelo in a way that was communicative, or as they stated, non-communicative, this triggers a testimony argument. And if it's testimony, then it triggers other things. So, but um, this idea that there's a theory and that this their theory was that is... Um, taking the thought the swab was testimonial. I, I, it's all crap. Um, I got to say, I don't even think the prosecution proposed a theory. I think it was just a description of his behavior. And I'm going to rule a big fat no on this one because this is just a nonsense argument. And it's really pretty tiny. It's, it's just some kind of little nit. And, uh, and this idea of him being cooperative is hilarious. 
He was not uncooperative. He was silent. Okay, sorry, being snarky. Let's move on to the fifth argument. Even if taking the the buckle swabs are considered non-testimonial. So now they're saying, because I threw out their last argument. So even if that's true, it triggers a right to counsel. So here we go. The bulk of the prosecution's motion boils down to a simple, untrue statement that the swab for DNA is non-testimonial, therefore there's no right to counsel. So this is why it's so important. If it's testimonial, you have a right to counsel. If it's non-testimonial, like, um, uh, I can't even think of anything right now, but if it's non-testimonial, you don't have to have counsel. Uh, you don't have a right to counsel. I suppose that would be um, something that is fact-based that wouldn't require interpretation. I suspect that's what would be non-testimonial evidence. Like it's like he drove into the wall. Okay, he drove into the wall. You don't need testimony to know the car went into the wall. In fact, you wouldn't even say he drove. You'd say the car went into the wall because now you're not putting any intention on anything. You're merely describing, like we all learned in the scientific theory, uh, scientific method in seventh grade, you observe, you don't interpret. So you say the car went into the wall. That's non-testimonial. That's, you got a picture, show that. Okay, I'm guessing that's what this means. Anyway, to support the position that this is non-testimonial, the prosecution is using a Supreme Court decision that held that even though a live lineup is non-testimonial, the right to counsel attaches. Now that's interesting because I, I would love to know why a lineup is non-testimonial because it does seem it would require some sort of interpretation. Anyway, um, a non-testimonial proceeding like a lineup does trigger the right to counsel. This whole little section here is essentially saying they want, uh, they want a right to be, to represent him. Um, let me see. I hear, I'm sorry. Here's the conclusion. There is a difference between the gathering of evidence and subsequent analysis. The defense is not asserting Mr. D'Angelo's right to have an attorney in the Ventura County Crime Lab during the testing and analysis of DNA. Rather, the issue at hand here is the right to a lawyer at the seizure of the evidence for which all analysis will later occur. Uh, okay. So this is weird um, where they're arguing that they want to be there when they seize the evidence. Um, okay. I, I think it's uh, weird. Um, and the defense is a little bit snarky in this part. In fact, I think at one point they even used the word um, flippantly. Is that in this part? Anyway, they're, they're getting a little bit snarky in here. And I really, it's it's not their fault that they got handed this dog of a case. <laughs> Get it there? I use the word dog. D'Angelo hates dogs. But this seems like a distinction without a difference on whether it's testimonial or not. I'm going to rule fine. Have counsel. But I really think that the only role defense counsel is going to play in the obtaining of this evidence is to do the big old um, seventh grade eye roll. I can't imagine they would be doing anything else. Let's move on to argument six. Another reason why they should not be allowed to take more DNA is that the application for a search warrant is a proceeding within the meaning of the penal code. Okay, here we go. The prosecution makes an outrageous claim as follows. The defendant suggests that once a death penalty prosecution has commenced, law enforcement's ability to obtain non-testimonial evidence from the defendant is halted. To support this extraordinary position, the defendant cites absolutely nothing. Of course, the defense made no such assertion. Further, the defense cited penal code for the assertion we did make. We refer to court, count, court and counsel in our motion to enjoin in the brief at hand. Okay, so essentially what they're saying is that the prosecution in their motion claimed that the defense said that they can't get um, non-testimonial evidence because it's a death penalty case. And they're saying, no, we didn't. We didn't say that. Prove it. Okay, that's what the first paragraph was all about. The prosecution is claiming the law enforcement, especially specifically Detective Peters, is the one initiating the search warrant as part of his investigative duties. In this argument, the prosecution seeks to distance themselves from the request for buckle swabs so the court won't find that this is a pr proceeding within the meaning of Penal Code Section 190.9. All right, here's the nuance here. Okay, hang on a second. What they're trying to show, we gotta explain this because it gets really complicated. What they're trying to say here is that they're by using this warrant, by using a warrant from an investigator, Detective Peters, 
the prosecution is trying to make like this is a regular warrant in pursuit of invest an investigation that's ongoing rather than the prosecution just needing this for additional analysis. And if that's the case, if they just need it for an um, additional analysis, then there's a different way they have to hand it, handle it. And that means it has to be ruled on in a proceeding, which I think is what we're doing tomorrow. So I'm super confused. I guess we're just having a motion about the motion. Um, so there you go. Welcome to law. When you have the talk about the talk, you're going to have at the talk. All right. So they they rip apart the prosecution's uh, memo saying it's the prosecution has said that they need it. On the other hand, they're saying the law enforcement needs it. And again, remember, district attorneys and law enforcement are two different functions. Law enforcement is all is, you know, law enforcement. You know, you, know, you watch Law and Order, Law and Order, law enforcement's the first half when you have the cops out solving the crime and uh, the the district attorney's office is when the at the half hour mark after you go to the bathroom you come back now it's all in the office it's all happening on the district attorney side that's what they're saying here is that the prosecution's essentially gaming it here and trying to get this done in a way that that doesn't require a proceeding and they're saying we do require the proceeding to talk about if they should be able to get more dna which is literally what's happening so i'm so confused uh, okay. I can't see a problem on this. Have the proceeding. We're having the proceeding. It's happening. Here's my deal. I rule that you can have a, a legal representation and you can have the proceeding, but don't litigate and don't use this to slow crap down. I mean, don't use every example, every opportunity you have to litigate whether or not D'Angelo is allowed to pass gas while he's in the hallway of the courtroom. I mean, I just, I swear to God, if we start to litigate every little nuance here, we're going to be doing this until my daughter has children. <sighs> okay, so my ruling is they can have a discussion. It can be in a courtroom. We can all agree on this, but don't slow things down. Let's move on to argument seven. Defense does not need to show prejudice for a violation of penal code. Okay, this is another um, procedural argument that's saying that the defense must show pre pre uh, prejudice to be able to win the right to prevent the DNA from being taken. So if the defense wants to win their argument, they have to show prejudice. They're basically arguing that is not required. We don't have to show president press, uh, prejudice. That's only if it's um, further on down the road. So they're, the, essentially what they're saying is that the prosecution has made a bad argument and the defense has to show pre, pre, um, prejudice. But that's, and the defense is saying, that's not the point. That's later in a death pay, uh, penalty case. Right now, we don't have to show prejudice to argue that they can't have the DNA. They want that part of the motion thrown out. I'm going to rule in their favor because I'm going to first tell you, I have no idea the case law arguments that they med, made and if they make any sense. But based on common sense, Fine. I don't care if they misstated to say you had to have prejudice. The state has the right to ask for more DNA because this asshat is accused of so many crimes. So many crimes. If we want to sit here and debate on the head of a pin about whether or not what they have to show to prove that he doesn't have to give more DNA, fine. But I don't think they have a case to be made. Again, DNA is, an ex is a unique form of evidence and you can run out, and we have access to more. Shut up, case closed, let's move on. But no, we're gonna get into argument number eight. And I can't believe we're up to eight already, but this one is really, really big. And essentially it's the crux of the other motion to dismiss that I haven't dissected yet, but I'm gonna do that after tomorrow's hearing because Frankly, I'm out of time. There's just no more time. But the motion to dismiss is quite lengthy and it's uh, very complicated. So I want to have time to analyze that and get back to us on how that's going to go. But essentially, here's the high level of their argument. The prosecutors, this is uh, number eight, argument number eight. The prosecutors from Orange, Santa Barbara, Ventura, Tulare, and Contra Costa counties must define their role in this prosecution. The people's motion, that's us, to compel the taking of 
buckle swabs from the defendant brings to head issues that have roiled in this case since its inception. Oh God, I should have read that with so much drama. That is such a good sentence. The people's motion to compel the taking of buckle swabs from the defendant brings to a head the issues that have roiled in this case since its inception. Their pleading brings into focus fundamental problems with the so-called joint prosecution of this case. Sorry, it's going to keep going. Five foreign district attorney's offices, they're technically not foreign, they're still in the state, but okay, have descended upon this court and in this county under the guise of a joint prosecution. No authority exists for them to do so. And now that litigation is beginning, the issue is ripe for adjudication. The people's motion directly implicates how district attorneys from remote counties combined all their prosecutions to bear in Sacramento County. Every count, every California Superior Court has basic subject matter jurisdiction over felonies in this state. Okay, they're citing a penal code, and here it is. Here's the penal code, People v. Betts. Generally speaking, it is a fundamental rule of criminal procedure that one who commits a crime is answerable, therefore, only in the jurisdiction where the crime is committed. And in all criminal prosecutions, in the absence of statutory provisions to the contrary, the venue must be laid in in such jurisdiction. It is conformity with this rule our penal code provides, except that, as otherwise provided, the jurisdiction of every public offense is in the county where it is committed. Well, that seems to be a ruling that really works in favor of the criminal, but let's continue. Um, we're no lo- I'm no longer reading that case. I'm back to their motion, the defense's motion. Jurisdictional territory in the case of a superior court means the county in which the court sits. Territorial jurisdiction is defined by statute and not necessarily limited to only one county. District attorneys are limited by territorial jurisdiction. That is their assertion. A district attorney is designated as a county officer. He or she is elected by county voters and the board of supervisors set his or her salary. Likewise, the county has the authority to supervise the district attorney's conduct and use of public funds. A district attorney must be a registered voter in the county in which he or she is elected. The third district court of appeal has held that a district attorney is a county officer, at least in geographic sense, and that the exercise of his powers as such is limited territorial to the county, territorially to the county for which he or she has been elected. Got it? They're making the very strong argument that a district attorney, the, the area of their domain is basically the county that they represent. Each district attorney is the public prosecutor vested with the power to conduct on the people's behalf all prosecutions within the county. The district attorney is acting as an agent of the state, but can only act as such agent within the territorial limits of their county for which he or she is elected. It actually says just he, but I'm going to just pretend that little sexist remark didn't get caught in there. So, okay, I think you're getting the point right now. Do, they're, they're basically saying, do the other prosecutors have standing in Sacramento or don't they? And then this argument goes on for pages. So I just pulled out a couple more interesting little um, nuggets that I thought were more, to, more understandable and uh, more interesting. They continue, but the people have cloaked the relationship amongst the district attorney's offices. It appears that there was a swearing-in ceremony in Sacramento for a number of unidentified foreign district attorneys on December 6, 2018. Defendant has not been informed of what that entailed or accomplished or whether it involved some transfer of authority. Each district attorney apparently exercises individual plenary power of this in this prosecution, given that each district attorney from a county charging a capital offense individually declared that they made a decision to seek death. Okay, so they're saying they each said that they'd seek death, but then are they really working for all for one and one for all? Here we go. But now I'm going back to what they wrote. But district attorneys for other counties do not have plenary power in Sacramento. You know, I didn't look up that word. Sorry, I should have. Um, that's your homework. Everybody go look up plenary power, P-L-E-N-A-R-Y. District attorneys for other counties do not have plenary power in Sacramento. 
From the people's request for additional swabs for each county to conduct its own DNA testing, it becomes even clearer that the Sacramento County Public Defender's Office is contending with six separate prosecutors' offices. Given that Cheryl Temple, Chief Assistant District Attorney for Ventura County, is the author of the current pleading, but signs through Deputy District Attorney Amy Holliday as a Deputy District Attorney under Anne-Marie Schubert, we must assume that Ms. Temple purports to act as a Deputy District Attorney for Sacramento County. They actually have a question mark there, but it, they didn't write it as a question. This curious arrangement apparently allows the coalition of prosecutors to bring to bear in Sacramento County law enforcement agencies in remote counties, staffs in a variety of offices, laboratories in far locations, and a trove of resources from district attorney's offices from other counties. This redistribution of titles and resources and responsibility masks an effort to redefine and extend territorial jurisdiction beyond anything seen in the state before and to avoid accountability. But this all comes at a cost to defendants' constitutional and statutory rights. Okay, I hope it... Oh, yes, thank God I put a break here because um, I really am struggling with this right now. First of all, my ruling is to table this whole thing until we get to the motion to dismiss. But that's it's not really something I could do. That's why I'm not the judge, right? Because this is really important right now because what we're asking for these additional swabs and additional jurisdictions, but is that really what we're asking for? And they're basically saying, this looks like a cluster. What's really going on? It is a little confusing. I got to say, who's doing what to whom and how is that? How have the roles and responsibilities not been clearly articulated? I suspect in the um, rebuttal that has not come yet from our prosecutors, the rebuttal to the motion to dismiss will address this. But it seems like we maybe should have cleared this up before now. What I do agree with, I do agree with the defense that they deserve resources from the other jurisdictions. We talked about that already. Uh, you know, just the fact that they decided to bring all this to bear in Sacramento County doesn't mean that we shouldn't be getting support from the other jurisdictions. This is a lot, and they should have those resources. Um, let's see. So that's so. But I, but on the other hand, it's interesting that they're choosing this argument when they have a criminal that hit. I think actually the total is thirteen jurisdictions all in. I think he actually. Uh, violated humans' rights in 13 counties in California. I'm, I got to verify it's 13. I know we counted up to 11 last night, so I want to make sure it's 13. But there are a lot of counties where there are not charges, and yet pe crimes were committed and people were hurt. So I do think that this is, when they say this has never been done before, I'm like, well, <laughs> welcome to Mr. D'Angelo. He did quite a number on the state of California terrorizing a lot of people and hurting a lot of people. Okay, so my argument here, or my ruling is that we're gonna table this and litigate it in the motion to dismiss. And the reason I say that is because I actually don't think regardless of their argument, which may or may not be valid, it's not relevant because we just need more DNA. And I'm gonna come back to my assertion that nobody seems to be making is that DNA is a unique type of evidence and when there is more available, you can get more. Okay, that's a lawyer for the, for the prosecution, Jennifer Carroll. All right, let's get up to number nine. We're getting close now, guys. Number nine is the prosecution's motion to compel demonstrates the conundrum. I got to tell you, I pretty much love that they use the word conundrum in their big um, argument. Here we go. The motion states, while the responsibility of conducting DNA analysis on crime scene evidence originally fell to the laboratories, in the counties when and where the crimes occurred, the Sacramento County Crime Lab has become the jur jurisdictional and investigative epicenter for all of defendants' known crimes and first obtain and analyze the defendant's reference buckle swab to compare to his profile to the crime scene profiles. All right, you guys all knew this one. Because Sacramento busted his ass, that is, um, that's, their that's, that's what we have cited as we're going to do everything here. Sacramento caught him. They did the first DNA samples that that was we were able to make the arrest. So, boom, that's why the prosecution is saying that this is the jurisdictional and investigative epicenter, this being Sacramento, because I'm sitting in Sacramento right now. Here we go. Now they're going to show you the conundrum. However, in the very next sentence 
of the prosecution's motion, it strips the Sacramento Crime Lab of its title as the epicenter and argues that they now need the five buckle swabs so that each county can do its own DNA comparison with their own DNA lab. So this motion, the conundrum is, it's either one way or the other. Either the burden all rests on Sacramento or it all rests on the jurisdictions. And if it all, and what this is, is a huge cons, um, burden on the defense because they're either trying to keep up with six jurisdictions or they're trying to keep up with one epicenter. Somebody decide. I decided as Judge Carroll, I'm going to decide. I take their point. It's a lot of work. I rule each, diction, each jurisdiction needs to kick in with resources and money for this process now. Boom. Case solved. Okay. Now argument 10. All right, seriously, it's 10, but you're going to like this one. Here we go. Argument 10. If the court will allow the collection of the swabs, the court should order that the swabs be collected in one session. It's unclear what the prosecutors have in mind. Sorry, this is kind of a snarky one that they're making here, but let's all enjoy it, okay? It's unclear what the prosecutors have in mind with regard to the five swabs they say they need. Do representatives of different counties take the swabs? Just one representative for all? Collecting buckle swabs from D'Angelo for the third time is unreasonable, and do it a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, etc. time would make it even more so. All right, that's actually their whole argument there. I'm done. I have ruled in your favor. You're right. Maybe, Your Honor, we can just take an arm. We'll just take one of his arms, then we'll have all the DNA we need in perpetuity. Um, for the love of God, let's take 20 damn samples. I don't even know why we're limiting it to five right now. This sounds pretty whiny. And honestly, what else does D'Angelo have to look for? He should be happy. We don't have to collect these things rectally. Oh, I'm sorry. What's that, Caddy? <laughs> I'll get on with it. All right, here we go. We are almost done. We are at argument number 11. But buckle up. Buckle up. I'm going to give you another trigger warning. Here's their 11th argument. If the court will allow the collection of the swabs, the court should not authorize the use of force at this stage. Okay, I'm breathing and I'm breathing. Here we go. The prosecution in its motion failed to mention the swabs were collected from Mr. D'Angelo on two separate occasions. The prosecution asked the court to authorize the use of force if he does not comply with the collection of the buckle swabs. As demonstration of lack of cooperation, the prosecutor cannot point to any attempt on his part to prevent the taking of the swabs. He was silent. Silence is not resistance. Okay, I've got Martin Luther King would like to talk to you about that, but okay, let's go. He did not respond verbally or otherwise. Then he apparently opened his mouth when the official wanted to obtain the swab. Okay, they don't even know because they said apparently. That's how it went one time when they collected the swabs. The prosecution doesn't lay out how it went the other time when D Mr. D'Angelo apparently didn't do anything noteworthy. Okay, I think it's really worrisome when you're using the word apparently in a motion because that means you don't know neither. <clears throat> Here we go. The prosecution flippantly claims that obtaining buckle swabs from Mr. D'Angelo in the presence of the court would eliminate future complaints by the defender about any of the above. When a person charged with a felony is supposed is supposed by the magistrate, magistrate before whom he is brought to have a... Oh, my God. Okay, this is ridiculous. I'm not even going to read this part to you because it's stupid. Um, the defense will not... No, this was just a, another hypothetical thing that's just nuts. The defense will not waste more of this court's time on the prosecution's point here, except to say that if the court orders swabs be taken, the defendant will cooperate outside the presence of the court, as he did before. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he will sit there quietly as we shove a stick in his cheek. <sighs> um, so, okay, so there's a little bit of theater going on here. Honestly, I don't mind if we have theater, theater, because this is otherwise just a boring trial, because we got him on the DNA, and... He's basically DNA guilty, copyright, trademark. That's my new term now, DNA guilty. I'm kind of counting on the drama, but I'm going to rule against them on this one because the man forced himself on everyone and karma's a bitch. Okay, now their conclusion. The defense requests the following. One, an offer of proof regarding the necessity of the additional buckle swabs for Orange County. Two, Denial of collection of additional buckle swabs from Mr. D'Angelo. Three, 
a finding that taking the additional buckle swabs from Mr. D'Angelo is testimonial and therefore subject to the rules of discovery, which means I think they get to see the results as well. Four, a finding that the taking of additional buckle swabs from Mr. D'Angelo triggers the right to counsel. Five, a finding that the application for a search warrant is a proceeding within the meaning of the penal code and that there is no need to show prejudice for a violation of that section. Six, that the prosecutors from Orange, Santa Barbara, Ventura, Tulare, and Contra Costa counties define their roles in this prosecution. And seven, if buckle swabs are collected from Mr. D'Angelo, that they are be collected in one session and no force is to be used without further order of this court. Here's the, I decided, let's just do a little summary of my own. Here's my summary based on Judge Carroll's rulings. Number one, the offer to prove the proof of necessity denied. I know the victims, we have the DNA, we need more. Nobody has to prove the necessity. We, we need more. It's a special kind of evidence, we need more. Two, denial of the collection of additional swabs, denied. You've gotta be kidding. Yes, we're gonna get additional swabs. Point three, additional swabs are testimonial and subject to discovery, denied, because you're just reaching here and you're getting on my nerves. Four, additional swabs trigger the right to counsel, fine. Join us for the eye roll. That means they can be there when they're doing it. Five, this is a proceeding, fine. I'll stretch because I don't know case law and I'm not qualified, but fine. Call it proceeding, you have the right to contest it. We've done that now, can we move on? Six, Prosecutors from other jurisdictions must define their roles. I think that's valid, but I'm holding this over to the motion to dismiss and not using it as part of this thing because it's just DNA. And seven swabs collected in one session without force denied. The people can take what they want when they want it because that's what he did. All right, let's see what the judge says tomorrow. I congratulate you on managing to get through this whole thing with me. I'm so sorry this was a long one. I will break up the other things that are long, but I wanted to get this out before the hearing tomorrow. If you're coming tonight or tomorrow night, I look forward to seeing you. And go out and have some fresh air and enjoy your day.